and welcome to another episode of the Not Criminal Podcast. <laughs> I'm you. Kaylee. This is Kelsey. <laughs> Hello, I'm Kelsey. Thanks for joining us. So, <laughs> I like that you turned so professional. <laughs> it's my superpower. No, perfect. At the drop of a hat, I'm just like, Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> We're just like trash talking and then all of a sudden you're like, Hello. Hello. All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Today, yeah. (laughs) What are we talking about, Kales? Kales? Kales. Oh, you said Kales. I'm like, you're Kales. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I guess that's Nick. I can't even have that nickname for you. It's too close to Kales. It's too close to your own. It's going to confuse people. They're going to think that this podcast is just one person talking to themselves. In different ways. Different voices. <laughs> They're a ventriloquist. <laughs> oh, good. All right, what are we talking about? So one of the things, well, we're today we're going to talk about something that me and you have talked about a couple of times, and I'm sure some of our listeners will have talked about with their friends, and it's sort of our own personal coming-of-age journey. Great. So let's talk about teen angst. Oh, (laughs) all those years of self-deprecation. Yeah. So I was just kind of looking to see if there was a purpose of teen angst. Any of the articles that I read basically just said that it's to sort of force you to find independence and to try to reach your own sort of um, like realize what you want and who you're going to be. Yeah, like a a type of anxiety. A type of self-actualization. You're actually supposed to work through all of those different emotions to, so that you actually go on a bit of a journey to discover like your likes and dislikes, your values, your form opinions about things. And you having that angst, especially like toward your family, from what I was reading too, is because you're trying to sever those bonds in an effort to practice being independent. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a huge part of sort of gaining your own independence and getting your own independent views and sort of self-motivations. In my adulthood, I'm going through the angry, rebellious phase. And that's because like when I was a teenager, I was unable to fully express my broad range of quote unquote negative emotions, which limited my ability of self-actualization. Like, I don't know who I am and I still, I'm 33. So now as an adult, I find that anger is basically the only emotion I do freely express but I'm like stuck in it, not in a good way. That's because, interesting. Because as adults, people that barely know you or your co- co-workers, they're not, that's not their job to support you through that basically teen, teen angst version of yourself that should have already been done. But because I didn't have that as a teenager, I still followed the rules. I didn't do anything particularly rebellious. So I didn't, so yeah. I don't know. Did you your didn't fully sever you those through ties. that? Yeah. My parents would probably both say they supported me well through it. Um, the support that I felt was more from my dad than my mom. Mm. And I think that's just because her own relationship with her parents, she, I don't think ever felt very supported from them. So I don't think she knows how to, how to make me feel like she is fully supporting me. I know now that her intentions are to support me, but the way it 
it comes across sometimes to this day and very much when I was a preteen was very judgmental and very much not supportive of me trying to kind of gain my own independence. It was still very much like, this is her view. This is the view I need to have. Yeah. My mom too. Mm -hmm. And I, and I'm sure like it was hard for her to, you know, have a teenage daughter going through all this stuff. So I'm, I'm trying to look at it through sort of an empathetic lens, but at the time I was very just, yeah, like very anxious, very frustrated, very. Did your sister, did you notice her go through something angsty? My, oh, my sister. Yeah. My sister. Cause I wonder if really, if, cause her, you're the youngest one. Cause my yeah. sister is sort of like you or she, she's yes. always done what she was told. She's always tried. She's the one that's always, I feel tried more for my parents approval. Yeah. Cause I was just thinking, I wonder if your experience is close, more close to what my sister experienced. And then I wonder if mine is more like your sister's. Probably. We'll have to do a sister episode. We should do a sister episode. So yeah, as the the oldest, I guess, I was also kind of breaking my parents in. Right. And then my sister probably observing that, I think probably saw a lot of it as like, if I just do what they want me to do, it's going to be easier for me. (laughs) That's exactly my experience. Watching my sister... If I just do what my mom wants me to do, I will not have to go through what my sister's going through right now. Yeah, and I think I think that's very much my sister's mentality at that time. She's only three years younger, so she kind of went through the teen angst part. Yeah, a little bit around the same time, but she she also was has always been a little bit more introverted than me. Yeah. Yeah. So where I was more like, I want to be with my friends. I don't want to be at home. She's always been sort of more of a homebody as well. So I think her her nature lent her to having a bit of an easier time too, just because she was happier to just be at home and do her thing. And she doesn't like confrontation. So it, it was yeah easier to just yeah. do what's expected and keep everybody happy with you. I just, yeah. And I don't know why trying to look back on it now, I don't know why I couldn't have just done that. I think I was... <laughs> Not your and my my stepmom to this day is always like, oh, the house is so quiet when you're not around. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't keep my mouth shut, I guess. <laughs> That's funny. So I, I just have to put myself in these situations where I am getting myself in trouble, I guess. Yeah. And that obviously started at a young age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that being said, like, even for me, I, I went through my teen angst and I feel like it certainly shaped me. And like, for instance, I, I was always a shyer child, more introverted, but I became even more shy and guarded as a teen slash preteen. And I really began hiding my true self, especially from my family. I didn't tell them like what me and my friends were up to. I think that's like probably common for yeah, p- teenagers. I didn't tell my parents like, what I was up to. No, no, well, yeah. That, but it was easier. That's a given, but like, I didn't even want them to know my interests, like anything about me. But I remember like, I definitely used music a lot. So I feel like I coped a lot with music, just like most teenagers. I, it's like the whole point of like, even grunge, it just defines an era of whoever's going through their angst at any given time. Certain genres of music will hit harder for whatever generation that's coming up when, when that is popular, you know? So there's like... When they're in that, when they're in that, like, sort of... Of yeah, like their life too, and it's <laughs> hits when it relates to what they're going through. Totally. So, I mean, 
a lot of that music that I listened to when I was younger shaped the person I see myself as today. And then if I just want to be transported back to that time, because some of it, it feels very nostalgic in like a self-discovery kind of way. And so you like listen to all your old mixtapes and you get bombarded with all those old feelings. And then you're just fuel up that angst all over again. And then you just miss the good old days when life was simple and all you did was hate your parents for five minutes and <laughs> sit at home eating macaroni <laughs> during summer. Those are like good days. I had to work in summer and I was like always so resentful. My friends were like going to the lake and I met fucking Tim Hortons. I never worked fast food. I was cleaning kennels at a veterinary clinic <laughs> in high school <laughs> in the I, evenings. <laughs> that sounds lovely. Doesn't it? I will say though, my mom was very liberal in allowing me to experiment with self-expression through my appearance. I always had short hair, colorful hair. I can dye it dark. I could do whatever I wanted with my hair and piercings. Like she was really liberal. As soon as I was 16, she she would never stop me and I would just get like piercings. I had a lot of different piercings. Yeah, for the most part, I wasn't, I was overweight, so I couldn't really express myself through clothing the way that I wanted. So then she just at least wasn't like super restrictive in what I could do with my hair or piercings like some parents. My yeah, friend's oh. parents were super strict about their kids not getting piercings. And I was just like, I had eyebrow piercings. I had, I went crazy. Now I have, I'm like afraid of needles now. I could never consider getting another piercing. <laughs> it's wild. It's crazy. It's it's scary. I was thinking about that the other day too. And I, the only thing, like the only piercings that I was sort of approved to have were on my ears. So when I turned 16 and you're able to get a piercing without your parents' permission, I got my belly button pierced and my mom was not impressed and I mean as far as piercings go the belly button piercing is pretty pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. basic bitch <laughs> yeah pretty harmless yeah yeah but yeah my mom was not happy at one point I came home and the tips of my hair were hot pink a la Christina Aguilera oh excellent I think I was probably like 13, 14. And my mom was not happy about that either. Yeah. So I wasn't really able to express myself a lot through my hair or through piercings or anything like that. But I, I was able to express myself through my clothing somewhat because a lot of my clothing purchases were patrolled. <laughs> yeah. And in the beginning, like until I had my own sort of job and my own money, like a lot of my music was very um, censored. No, really? By mostly my mother. Yeah. Oh, actually, I, I have to say my mom never censored my music. <laughs> To really? the point where when I was, I want to say, like, maybe grade eight, I'm listening to the South Park soundtrack of Chocolate Salty Balls. Just the most, <laughs> ab or like, grade seven, oh, I think. No. Um, the Slim Shady, the one, uh, I think it's the Slim Shady LP came out. And just the, there's like just one, rocked your world. one song where he's like fully describing killing his, his ex's new boyfriend or whatever it's just like vulgar and like beyond vulgar those are just two examples but <laughs> and then I would just be singing and not at all understanding anything from the music that I now understand to be so vulgar and disturbing mm -hmm. that's the like when I was younger my understanding of music it was like yeah a good beat and sometimes you connect with some of the lyrics but I feel like a lot more of it was just like a catchy beat and I don't feel like I understood the message behind the music as much when I was younger for a yeah. lot of those like for a lot of that sort yeah. of more in intense music yeah maybe I mean when I 
When I was in grade seven, okay, I was watching much music and that was still when there was like music videos on there, not just like random weird shows. And then there was like a contest at at some point and the contest was what are the um, real names of the members of the band Korn. And the internet was relatively new. We didn't technically have Google. So somehow I went on my dial up. I was in the, on the computer in the basement. I researched Korn for days. I made a whole binder and then I became absolutely obsessed with corn and corn. And I was like, that's, <laughs> I don't even know how old you are in grade seven, like 12, maybe 13. 12, yeah. 12 turning 13, maybe. <laughs> so that's like, and like some of it was so disturbing. Like I would, cause um, John Davis, the lead singer, but he worked in the morgue or whatever. And then there was just Rose. One of the songs was about a baby that he had to deal with. Yeah. Like that's some heavy shit like so heavy and and so like you yeah for sure you think you're like all angsty so you're connecting with these like really dark lyrics of like even like the slim shady stuff and you go through the lyrics because i was obsessed because this is like cds right we didn't have digital mm-hmm. music really yeah you yet, bought the so. cd they had all the lyrics for every song in the little booklet exactly so i would like lay on my little bunk bed because i still was young enough i had a fucking bunk bed <laughs> so i'm like on my bunk bed listening to my disc man, like reading the lyric packet and thinking i was like yeah i'm deep i'm dark but not fully knowing what i thought it was about and then yeah like even just re-listening to that song that eminem song that i was saying about him killing his ex this is crazy because then she's screaming in the background and it is like so traumatizing now that I'm an adult mm-hmm. well, but that's I after you've gone through connect some traumas with it. and you know yeah. people <laughs> you connect with it deeper and I think you have more empathy whereas when yeah. you're going through your teenage <laughs> angst you're so self-centered too that yeah. you're like I'm so dark and my life is so hard and miserable and yeah I thought blah like, blah blah hard, and then fuck life gets harder life got a lot harder yeah no and I would write really dark disturbing poetry didn't even like go through anything to write dark poetry about come on hormones man it creates (sighs) a dark a dark experience regardless of your living situation yeah I don't know how anybody actually going through some heavy shit copes (laughs) I don't know I don't know and honestly like I don't anxiety wasn't really talked about when we were growing up either no and I don't think it was identified so I'm sure that I like I know for a fact now that I felt a lot of anxiety but I honestly didn't identify that as something that I felt until nursing school I remember learning stuff and I was like oh oh yeah I have that fair enough yeah I don't know what I thought it was back then but Honestly, on the spectrum of emotions anyway, I generally tend toward depression. So I can see a lot of depressive indicators, not not a clinical depression by any means, but more so than anxiety. But that wasn't explained to me back then either. No, no yeah, the, the knowledge of mental health, especially in high school populations, was not talked about and not very in the forefront during my high school experience. And I don't know that I had clinical, like clinical anxiety, but I had definitely anxiety and emotional instability. (laughs) And I don't (laughs) doubt that you did have anxiety at all because it's so common now. And so do you wish you had been encouraged to go talk to a professional at that age though? Because I work with Kind of. Yeah, because I work with people now who they tell me about their children and how anxious they are and that they're forcing them to see 
a counselor and that their friends are so anxious and this person's so like these teenagers, it, it seems crazy that there's so much anxiety in the teenagers now, but that's like, are we just actually addressing it? <laughs> and like trying yeah. to deal with it. That's what I wonder is it's like, has it become an excuse to, to not cope or is it just more talked about and they're working through it more now? Exactly. It's hard to say. And I think, I think it's great. Like you're getting this young generation to talk to professionals about how they're feeling and working through the anxieties of this time of their life and talking through it with a professional is still cutting those ties with your parent, but perhaps learning how to communicate with your parent would that might serve you for a future relationship. Yeah. Oh, I think that would a hundred percent foster a better relationship between your parents having sort of a third party counsel you with anxiety because they're going to be able to give you correct advice on how to cope with it and and yeah and communication strategies that will yeah help you throughout your entire life I think it 100% would foster a better relationship with your parents rather than having your parents tell you in the best way they know how to cope with it because I I feel like especially our generation a lot of it was like (laughs) fucking suck it up get over it everybody has to go through it or just don't acknowledge it at all why are you acting like this as though teenagers having like a period of angst is out out of the ordinary like why are you behaving like this get why yeah get over it get over it get in line get your shit together which isn't helpful either because then it doesn't sort of acknowledge those feelings that you're having yeah so i think professional help is good I think the other thing, hopefully, is that the professionals that these teenagers are talking to are at least normalizing that this is a normal stage. Just like we said at the top, it's normal because it actually serves a purpose. Like there's a reason why you're going through this. Yeah, parts of it are hormones and like you're not going to feel great anyway. And like there's parts of your brains that are growing faster than others, like the part that risk taking. Yeah, that that's growing faster. So you are going to not have a lot of impulse control and you're going to take more risks. But going through those emotions and then finding out who you are, that period of self-actualization and like severing ties with your parents so that you're more independent. You're like figuring out who you are, what you like, and you're like trying to promote that independence in yourself and becoming an adult, just normalizing that process. While also like if there's legitimate depression and anxiety, addressing that and giving these kids tools to cope. I think that's an amazing trend and I'm thrilled if that's the way things are going. And I do really wish that that was available to me back then. It was not normalized at all. No, there wasn't any call for help lines unless you're being abused or you know in a dangerous situation like they had the kids help phone but it was more like my impression of it at the time I guess was more if you're in an unsafe situation or you're seriously thinking of harming yourself or something like that I don't feel like it was a I'm really anxious and I'm not coping well type of call line so I think a lot of those services that are offered now will probably make a huge impact yeah I think think the hardest thing is because you're trying to find friends. Like there's so many levels of what you're looking for at that age. So it's like you're trying to find somebody that understands you, that you can get along with and hang out with. But you're also trying to kind of find a group so that you're not just standing out, if that makes sense. For me anyways. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like I had two sides of myself. And I think truthfully, it was really that the actual person that I was and then the person that I was hiding slash 
wishing I could be. And so I had two groups of friends, basically. And on account of my insecurity, I ultimately chose the group with less fulfilling friendships in it. But I had like the other group of friends, like really I could describe them as a band of misfits. And they were like, but they were so genuine and thoughtful and fun. And we had a great time and I could fully be myself around them. And they didn't have a significant amount of gossiping. They supported one another, just overall a great group of friends. And then I had the quote unquote, more popular group that I was trying to be a part of. And because of my insecurities, I felt like I needed to fit in with that group and never did. I never felt like I fit in, but I always had that persistent drive to try and fit in with them. And then ultimately, I didn't nurture those friendships of the the first group. And there's still people that try to connect with me even to this day. There's a tiny bit of regret that I didn't put more effort into that group of people because they are the better group of human beings. Yeah. That's fair. And I, I floated between a couple of groups and I think, I think you nailed it. It's like you find a couple people who are sort of like your actual tribe, so to speak. And then there's a group that you want to fit in with, and then you end up kind of prioritizing them. Mm -hmm. I didn't do it for all of high school, but for some of high school, I think I prioritized people that maybe didn't have my best wishes at heart Mm -hmm. and probably knew that I was trying hard to, to be friends with them. Mm-hmm. And then I eventually ended up going back to um, a couple of friends that I'd had for a long time that were also kind of just floaters, I guess you could say band of misfits-esque. And yeah. that's who I, um, towards the end of high school anyways, ended up spending my time with, um, which was more fulfilling. And I could be my true self and have those like, I don't know, ridiculous conversations and those ridiculous nights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. instead of just sort of superficial and forced situations. And I feel, like, I feel like those are still the people that like to this day I haven't seen in like let's say seven years and we could it would be like nothing no time had passed like we would be still and they never like took offense to me choosing other people or anything because it was never an overt choosing we just like drifted apart because I didn't prioritize them, like you had said, you know, like, whereas this, the group of people that I did prioritize and tried to give a lot of my energy to, if we haven't seen each other in like, let's say two years, it's awkward. It's so awkward. It feels like a lot of time has passed. (laughs) But in my youth, I had no idea that I was not picking for the goodness of myself. It was kind of one of those things where you're not... um, You're not self-aware enough to know why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Zero insight back then, for sure. When I was in grade seven, um, I had to go to a new school, which was hard because by grade seven, everybody's gone to school together for like all or most of elementary school. And I was the new person coming in. I'm like the first friend I made who was like really awesome, really sweet and I got along with really well, wasn't maybe the most popular. She was sort of, I guess, again, like a misfit. And then a girl that I'd known um, in elementary school and that kind of thing, and a group of people who maybe had a bit more social standing kind of took me in and I was having a birthday party and they basically said well you don't invite this other girl who'd been my friend from the beginning when I first got there because she's not cool or whatever and she was moving so I and I and I think I had enough awareness to know that I was being a jackass at that age but it was like okay this person who I can be myself with and is like a truly genuine great person is moving so do I want to jeopardize 
my standing with these people who are going to be staying at the school by inviting her to my birthday party and then these other people won't come. And I honestly, I've always regretted doing that looking back. But at the time it was like social suicide to, totally to, to put all my eggs in the one basket of the, the girl who was moving. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, yeah, I've always regretted it and wanted, I'm like, want to apologize to her but I'm like it seems like such a weird thing a million years later like (laughs) I'm really sorry I didn't invite you to my birthday party in grade seven right before you moved (laughs) she probably doesn't give a fuck and I'm like stewing over it for 20 years I guess you just have to forgive yourself maybe oh god well that's deep Kelsey (laughs) (laughs) yeah teen angst all I can think too is like all of the teen angst and anxiety and self-consciousness and emotional instability that we had it must be so amplified now because of social media. Like we had no cell phones. We had to paste pass like paper notes in class and there was a high chance that somebody <laughs> else would get it or that the teacher would grab it and read it to the whole yeah. class. So, so it's true. not like you wrote anything that discriminatory in those notes. That's true. People. We did. We did pass a lot of notes and you- I cannot imagine social media at all. No, it was not at all. It was not at all a thing until we were like, I remember having a cell phone through like high school. So like grade, maybe nine, if I was lucky, I think I had one in grade nine. I for sure had one in grade 10. Texting didn't happen yet though. We still always just talked on the phone. And yeah, then, I don't think I had one until grade 12 and texting was just becoming a thing, but it wasn't used a lot because you had to press each letter exactly. three times to get the letter you wanted and texting took so long. So it was not widely done and you could barely take photos. Yeah. And then the yeah. other thing, like group bullying, like group cyberbullying. Oh my God, I couldn't imagine. I remember in grade six, all the girls were mad at me for some reason. They didn't like me. And they sent me a group note telling me to stop hanging around them and to back off, get my own sandwich. They said that in this note. <laughs> Sorry. Um, That's so awful then it was they like said that. The group. The group. Angsty girls are so bad, man. <laughs> yeah. They're so scary. The group cyberbullying was in like a, they passed me a note and it was like, okay, like... <laughs> I can't even imagine what would happen on social media nowadays. Like, it's crazy. And well, people screenshot conversations. So before, like, true. let's say you did, because I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I bought in when people are slamming, like you want to fit in. So you're like, yeah, yeah, her, her pants are dumb or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now sure. with social media, they could like screenshot that conversation and throw it back in your face. I know. It's so true. It's like before... I mean, you had like reasonable doubt, arguability, arguability, because it was all like a <laughs> verbal conversation. Now yeah. it's like, yeah, I did say that. Uh, yeah, that's really terrible of me to say that. And you have no, you can't lie your way out of anything now. Even like the tracking. I told my parents what they wanted to hear where I was going. I would yeah. tell them sometimes the friend's house I was actually going to be at, but not what we were up to. Yeah. Yeah. And they had no way of knowing. Like I would have to call to check in at some point. And yeah. at that point, I don't even think we had call display. So <laughs> I could call them from anywhere yeah. and say that I was at whoever's house. Yeah. And they had no idea. Yeah. 
Same. And now you can or find my phone and track yeah. your children down and see exactly where they are and what they're up to. There's like no an anom anonym. What's the word Anonymity. I'm trying to say? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. And I can't even fathom what it would be like. I'm thinking more like your later teen years when you have crushes on people to have full access to text messaging or like messaging. I remember we had MSN Messenger and I would get home after school and hope to yes. God like my crush was online and they would only be online for like a couple of hours, if that. And you would have like a minuscule amount of time to try and chat with them. But like you did not text people. If you had a crush, I remember calling boys that I liked on the fucking phone. Mm-hmm. You had to call them on the phone or you had to creep them because I always liked older boys that didn't know who I was. You had to creep them <laughs> to find them on MSN and then yeah. move them over, yeah. over yeah, your exactly. swab MSN messages. Yeah. Anyway, that kind of wraps up my uh, trip down memory lane for nostalgic teen angst. Yeah. I think that covers it fairly well. Because if we're going to keep talking about boys, that's a whole other episode for sure. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other can of worms. So I guess we'll wrap it up yep. and ask you all to join us next week. We're going to talk about, oh yeah, talking about body image. Basically, so we're in our 30s now and how we uh, navigated through that wormhole and while we're still learning. Yeah. Learning. It's an ongoing journey. <laughs> but we'll talk to you guys next week. Like us, subscribe, download, do all the things. non a podcast. Catch us on Instagram. (laughs) Thank you for listening to another episode of the Non-Committal Podcast. Don't miss an episode by subscribing to us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you're enjoying our episodes, head over and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. As always, we love to hear your suggestions. And if you have questions or just want to catch our episodes somewhere else, head to our website, thenoncommittalpodcast.ca. And don't forget to keep up to date on all of our happenings by following us on Instagram at thenoncommittalpodcast.